Human sexuality. You didn't know you were going to come to church and have a sex class, right? I promise to try and keep this conversation PG-13. Today is going to be PG. Part of the reason is, today is all about, I need to lay some ground rules, some, some uh, you know, base foundational pieces before we build on that and talk about other issues and other things. Uh, human sexuality, this has been a topic that has been around for more than the last 10 or 15 years. Human sexuality has been an issue from the time mankind walked out of the garden, or were kicked out of the garden, I should say. It's an issue that we see being dealt with all throughout Scripture. Now, for us today, we're, we're thinking human sexuality, and so our mind automatically goes, well, Brad's going to be talking about LGBTQ and gender dysphoria and all those kind of things, and yes, we, we will get there, but this topic is way bigger than a few issues that we may, um, may be a hot button for us. You see... Um, Satan has been about the process of fulfilling what he wants to do, and that is destroying whatever God creates. If you remember, a year ago we went through a series called The Great Deception, and we talked about that our our world is filled with deceptive ideas, and those deceptive ideas come from the evil one. And those deceptive ideas play into our disordered desires, which is our flesh. We all have disordered desires. And those disordered desires out of our flesh become normalized in a sinful society or our culture. So, today we know that things like homosexuality and gender dysphoria, those are becoming more of a norm, but it's fitting the pattern, right? It's fitting this pattern. Deceptive ideas from the evil one, playing into our disordered desires, and now they're becoming normalized. But you see, there's been things about human sexuality that have been normalized a lot longer than just what we see going on today. So as we dive into this topic, I want us to remember this. The evil one, using lie and deception, wants to destroy what God created. I remember when, uh, you know, the whole conversation around same-sex attraction and that kind of stuff really um, rose up into my life. And, and all of us probably have somebody we know, whether it's a family member or a neighbor or somebody that deals with same-sex attraction or some other kind of the, when you're talking about the LGBTQ uh, community. We all know somebody, and um, I, I remember when there was a family member in my family that came out. And 
just the, the shock and the, well, now what do you do? And then I remember, and I told this story uh, quite a while ago, but a friend of mine invited me to a men's retreat. This is probably 10 years ago or so, and this men's retreat was off of the Wild at Heart book by John Eldridge, and, and it was dealing with the inner wounds of man and that kind of stuff. And he invited me to come along because he wanted me to see what they were doing at this retreat, possibly something that we could um, utilize at the church I was serving at at that time. So I went. My whole intention to go there was just to sit and take in this retreat. I had three roommates. One man was in his 40s, married, had a couple of kids. Another was in his late 20s, dating a girl. Another one, early 20s, not dating anybody. The crazy thing in the course of the weekend is I found out all three of these men wrestled with same-sex attraction. I'm like, oh, okay, God, what are you doing here now? Here's a man in his 40s, married, had kids, married to a woman, had kids. He was living out God's intention and God's design, but he wrestled on a regular basis with same-sex attraction. God never took that away. He was a young man in his late 20s. He was dating a girl, thinking about marrying her, but he was, well, was, one of the things that was holding him back was he was wrestling with same-sex attraction. And the younger guy was ready to walk away from the church because of all that he was wrestling with. Now, I didn't walk away from that retreat with any answers. I just heard the pain of three men who understood what it was that God was asking of them and yet there was this wrestling going on in their soul no matter how much they seemed to ask Jesus to take it away Jesus never took it away. It seems today like we hear more and more about people within the church wrestling with same-sex attraction and wrestling with these different uh, gender dysphoria and all that kind of stuff. And so we, we can say, yeah, yes, the, probably why we hear more about it today is because it's normalized in our society. And so you turn on any show and there's some gay couple or something that are on there. And so we, we see it more. And so it comes out more. At, at the same time, I, I don't know if the, there's more wrestling of it or it's just that we talk more about it. And, and I, I'm not going to get into a dialogue about what, what is what. I'm just saying it is an issue for us. And so we need to talk about it, church. But how do we talk about it? I want to just talk about some resources that are available to you and resources that I'm tapping into in the course of this um, series. 
I've got a bunch of books that I've been reading through, and you don't have to try and write these books down. If you go to our website, let's see that, yeah, on the message page, there's human sexuality, and down below you can see resources, books, and if you uh, scroll a little farther, it's got a couple of websites that you can go to. So that's under our message tab at our, uh, on our church website. So you don't need to, to write this stuff down, but Compassion Without Compromise, How the Gospel Frees Us to, to Love Our Gay Friends Without Losing the Truth. This is a, a great book, uh, just really focusing on uh, how we see the gospel in the midst of our conversation around our talk about human sexuality as a whole. Great book. Uh, Loving My LGBT Neighbor, Being Friends in Grace and Truth. This is another great book. Tells us how we, just really deals a lot with practically, how do we love people who are wrestling with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, or, or how do we do that, church? So another great resource. Um, Preston Sprinkle, uh, People Be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an Issue. Um, Preston is, um, and I'll show you, he's got a great website. Um, here, I'm going to show you his website if that pops up. Yeah, Face Sexuality and Gender. And again, if you go to the website, you'll see the link for that. Uh, this, this is his book and um, his website, just tons of really good resources on uh, LGBT community. One of the things that Preston has done really well is he sat down with people who are wrestling with different things, whether it's same-sex attraction, gender dysphoria, whatever it may be, and he dialogues with them and listens to them, and these are people who are followers of Jesus, and they still are wrestling with these kind of things. Great, 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 great stuff. Um, Born Again This Way is a book by Rachel Gilson. Uh, Rachel uh, grew up in a non-Christian home, was active in the gay lifestyle, became a believer, still active in the gay lifestyle. As she began reading the Bible, saw that that was not what God intended. And so she, this is her journey, her story about that. She eventually married a man, has a couple of kids, and she still... uh, wrestles with same-sex attraction, even though she's living out an obedient life in a way that's honoring to God. Great, great book. Um, Rethinking Sexuality by Dr. Julie Slattery, God's Design and Why It Matters. This is a phenomenal book. In fact, if you look at it, I've got deer, you know, I've got corners folded and stars and underlines everywhere in this book. If you could only choose one book today to go and buy, this would be the one that I would recommend by Dr. Julie Slattery. Just, um, the reason why I like her is she deals with more than just homosexuality. She deals with human sexuality as a whole, and it's just a great thing. Um, Our uh, denomination, this should pop up here soon maybe, Hopefully, there it is. Uh, it's pretty cool that our uh, software that we use for showing stuff, we can tap into websites. Uh, this is our Evangelical Covenant Church's Embrace website. It talks about all uh, things related, lots of great resources there on human sexuality. They even tap into uh, Dr. Preston Sprinkle's stuff. So those are just some of the resources that are available to you 
as we walk through this series. The Evangelical Covenant Church has made a statement about human sexuality, and this is our denomination statement. Faithfulness in heterosexual marriage, celibacy and singleness, these constitute the Christian standard. So in other words, for us as the denomination, when we talk about human sexuality, it's about faithfulness, staying faithful within a heterosexual marriage, meaning one man, one woman. And if you're not married, then it's celibacy within singleness. It, and this counteracts even our hookup culture or people sleeping with different part- partners and sex before marriage and all that kind of stuff. This is the Christian standard. So I just wanted us to know right up front, this is our denomination stance. And this is the stance for us as a church. We are in agreement with this. And this is my position. This is where I stand too. Now, I wanted to get this out on the table right away so people aren't wondering. Because in the course of this series, I'm going to push some buttons. Know this. I believe firmly that the Bible teaches that marriage is for one man, one woman. It's a covenant relationship, and it's meant to be for life. And if you are single, the Bible teaches that we are to remain celibate in that singleness. All right? Now you don't have to wonder where Brad stands. You don't have to wonder where the church stands. You don't even have to wonder where our denomination stands because um, I've just laid it out right there. Now, you may have heard um, that within our denomination, there is a small segment of churches that are pushing against our statement. And at our midwinter retreat here a couple weeks ago, uh, the president of our denomination restated that as a denomination, this is where we stand. Okay? Now we got all that stuff out of the road. Let's dive in. I have some introductory thoughts regarding human sexuality. Um, these are important for us to lay the ground floor, the foundation The first is, it's a series of questions. The first question is this, who is God? You have to answer that question before you can move on and talk about anything else related to any issue in the Bible. Who is God? Is God some grumpy old white-haired dude sitting somewhere in space trying to kill our fun and, you know? Or is he absent, meaning he's out there somewhere, he created everything, but then he just kind of is off somewhere and just letting things go wherever and however they go? Or is God all-powerful? Is he all-knowing? 
Or, or does God truly love and deeply care for his creation? Is God a good God? Is God faithful? Is God just? If we are going to talk about God's original design for human sexuality, we have to answer this question. Another question. What do you believe about the Bible? Is it a crazy old book that's filled with myths and stories and it has no relevancy for you and I today or any of the issues that we face today? Or is it God-breathed? Is it living and active? Is it inerrant? If we are going to talk about what the Bible has to say about human sexuality, you have to answer that question. What is the role of church and what is my role? When we talk about human sexuality and the things that we face in this world, what is the church's role in the world and in the things we face in the world? What, and what is my personal role? Are, are we to engage the world and how are to we engage the world? Or are, are we just to kind of get into our own little corner and not pay attention to what the world is going on? And the last question that I think is important is, what do you believe about spiritual warfare? Is it real? When Paul says our battle's not against flesh and blood, but the principalities, powers, and rulers of the air, is that true? When Paul says our weapons of warfare are are not of this world, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds, is that true? Or is that a bunch of stuff that some guy wrote 2,000 years ago before they really understood how the world operates? So just so you know, as I am teaching and talking about human sexuality, um, the answer to my first question is God is a good, loving God who personally cares about you and me. That he, when he says, when it says in John 10.10 that Jesus came to give life and to give it abundantly, that is True, because our God is a good, loving, caring God. So when I'm talking about God, that's my view. That's that's where I'm coming from. So know that. I've already wrestled with that question. God is not absent for me. God is active. When I think about God's Word, God's Word is... God-breathed, it is living and active, it is inerrant. I believe that God's Word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can transform our lives. And so, as I read God's Word, and as I teach God's Word, 
What does God have for us today? The church, what is the role of the church? The church is the body of Christ. We are to live out Christ in this world. We are disciples of Jesus, which means we should be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus does. That's what we're supposed to do. So if we want to know how to interact with our world, then let's look at Jesus and what did Jesus do. Jesus came proclaiming good news to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted, and setting the captive free. He has called us oaks of righteousness, and now we are to rebuild, restore, and renew. Jesus came and hung out with the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. It was the religious leaders that stood in their high places declaring, that Jesus, look at him, he hangs out with the sinners. I think the church is supposed to hang out with the sinners. We're supposed to come proclaiming good news to them. We're, we're called ministers of reconciliation. Remember, Jesus came, reconciled us to God. Jesus did that. And then Paul says, we are ministers of reconciliation, meaning we are to go and reconcile people to God. We're, we're supposed to bring them to Jesus. Hey, I was reconciled by Jesus, but come, come, come to Jesus. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. And I believe fully that we are in an intense spiritual battle. And my question is, when are we, the church, going to fight this spiritual battle? What does that look like? I, I don't think as a whole here in America, the church is fighting a spiritual battle. But there are some churches that are doing it. But as a whole, no. See, as bad as our world has gotten, quote unquote, I don't think it has reached bottom for most of us to even really care. Think about this. Those of you who have dealt with addiction, you know that change doesn't happen until you've almost lost everything. And we haven't lost everything as a church in our country. And I wonder if we are waiting to lose everything before we step into this spiritual battle. So, my question for us today and as we go through this series is, is, are we, church, ready to change? You see, um, <clears throat> change in our world begins with change in my life. 
This is where it starts. Have I fully surrendered every area of my life to the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ? Am I praying Psalms 139 every day? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the path of right living. Am I, am I doing that? Am I checking me first? Because that's, that's where this conversation really starts when we talk about human sexuality and what's going on in our world. The question is more than just, is my sexuality honoring God? It's, is every area of my life honoring God? Am I loving God in others? Am I intentionally making disciples who make disciples? Am I proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ? Am I blessing others, adding value to others? Is my life like the Acts 2.42 church that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where everybody's in awe because of how they are serving and caring for one another, and God is demonstrating His power through signs and wonders. It's that kind of church that the Jesus, it says in 47, and God added to their number daily those being saved. So before we begin talking about how we defend our position regarding human sexuality or judge those around us, there's another thing we need to do, and that is we need to begin to listen to those who are struggling. So there's a study done um, just a couple of years ago about the religious background of the LGBTQ community. And it was the largest social scientific study on the background of the LGBT people. And there were 1,700 plus people who were surveyed. And as a result of this, there was like over 20,000 quantitative places, connection points in this study that they were able to analyze. And they came up with some amazing figures and stats about the LGBT community. First one, 83% were raised in the church. This is people all across America. 51% left the church once they turned 18. Now here's one that really jumped out for me. Only 3% left because of the church's traditional views of marriage and sexuality. Let that sink in for a minute. Only 3% left because the church said marriage is between one man and one woman. And singleness is meant in celibacy. That should cause a question or two to run through your mind. Like, um, why did the 97% leave the church. I'm glad you asked. 18% said they did not feel safe 
in the church. They were harassed emotionally, verbally, spiritually. Fourteen percent said because of relational disconnectedness with leaders. Leaders stopped talking to them as soon as they found out that they were wrestling with same-sex attraction or had some other gender dysphoria or whatever it may be. The leaders stopped talking to them. 13% because of the incongruence between the teaching and the practice of the church. Part of that incongruence had to deal with the fact that the church is very willing to call out the sin of a homosexual and say, you're going to hell but then they forget about James saying that bitter envy and selfish ambition is demonic. James said that, not me. And what? When somebody operates out of selfishness, we don't say, you're going to hell. We don't tell them to leave the church. unwillingness to dialogue. As soon as people find out somebody wrestles with same-sex attraction, um, just like the leaders, we stop talking. Nobody wants to hear their story. They don't want to hear their struggle. We label them and then move them over there. 9% were kicked out, which is tragic to me. So the result of this survey is this. Most LGBTQ people leave the church because of relationship, not theology. So the question for me is, what do we do with this information? If the vast majority of people who are wrestling, or we would label LGBTQ, if the vast majority of them are leaving because... The church has stopped relating to them, and their issue is less about the theology. What does that mean for us as, as a church? Here's one more piece of information from this study 76% of LGBTQ people would consider returning to the church as long as the church made some changes. Now, I know where we're going right there, right? We're we're already thinking, yeah, if the church changes its theology, we'll come back. Remember, only 3% left because of the theology. Remember that. But they asked. They asked the people that said they would consider returning, and only 8% of them said the church needed to change their theology on marriage. You see, the vast majority of people that have left the church have left the church because of relationship, because somebody drew a line in the sand and said, I can't relate with that person anymore. And all those people that are out there wrestling and having conversations with God and trying, God, what are you doing? Take this away from me, whatever. They'd be willing to come back in if we would change 
our posture towards them. If we would be willing to demonstrate God's love towards them, if we would be willing to invite them over for dinner, if we would be willing to include them in whatever it may be, if we would be willing to listen to their story, it's not the church's theology that's driving LGBTQ people away by their own admission. It's the church's lack of love and care. So how we choose to live out our lives as disciples of Jesus matters just as much as what you believe. You may ask me about my theology. I will ask you about how you live out your theology. Because you remember, the, you know, the, the wise builder, the foolish builder, right? Build his house in the sand. That was the one that heard the word, and that was it. The wise builder is the one that heard the word and then obeyed. So, heard the word, love God, love others, love your enemies as yourself, pray for those who persecute you. Terry and I have been watching the show Chosen, and I know many of you have watched that or are watching it, and we're watching the third season, and this week... We're watching the part where they illustrate the um, woman who bled for 12 years being healed by Jesus. And what I love about stories in visual form like that is, and what I love about The Chosen is they, they help bring things to even more life. So here you have this woman who has bled for 12 years. In the Jewish culture, a woman who is in her monthly cycle is unclean. So for 12 years, this woman is unclean. Nobody can touch her. Nobody can be around her. 12 years, she's an outcast. This woman tried everything, everything to get healed, spent money on doctors, but she was an outcast. And she thought, just, if I could just touch Jesus' garment, then maybe. By her faith, she touched Jesus' garment and she was healed. And in the chosen picture, it's so great because they show Jesus kneeling down by her, touching her face and saying, you are no longer an outcast. And Jesus calls her daughter. I share that story because historically, the church has been too quick to judge and outcast people. Wow. My watch is talking to me. 
The church has historically been too quick to judge and push people out to be outcasts. We have a generation of people, we have a part of our generation who are wrestling with same-sex attraction, trying to figure out this gender dysphoria, whatever it may be, and they know what the Bible says, but they have walked away from the church and they feel outcast from the church, and they're just looking for somebody to come up and touch them on the face and say, you belong. You see, transformation is not my responsibility. It's not my job to change people. It's my job to love people and bring them to Jesus. And then we let Jesus do the work. And we sit with them and walk with them as they struggle through whatever they're going through. Whether it's human sexuality stuff, mental health stuff, other things. Whatever it may be, our job is to bring people to Jesus, love them, walk alongside them, and then allow the Holy Spirit to do the Holy Spirit's work. Dr. Julie Schlatter, in her book here, Rethinking Sexuality, um, has this quote. She says, Revival will come not through outrage and self-righteousness, but by the genuine response of grief over pain and destruction. It will come when we begin to say, Lord, send me. Um, I walked away from that men's retreat with those three men. My heart was broken. My heart was broken because of the struggle these men were going through. I couldn't relate. My heart was broken because there was a young man in his mid-twenties because of the response of the church was probably going to walk away from Jesus. So over the course of the next few weeks, We're going to talk about God's design and why it matters. We're going to talk about the different issues that we face. But in all of this conversation, I'm going to lay out, here's what the Bible says, here's how we get here, okay? I'm going to to lay out also, here are some of the arguments against it, here's where some of these arguments are faulty, and then I'm going to lay out, how do we as a church love these people How do we go up to them and touch them and tell them, you belong? Because I'm going to be totally honest with you people. There is sin in my life that I still struggle with. It's just that I can hide it better. I'm I'm no different than somebody wrestling with same-sex attraction. It's just my sin is more acceptable. So my goal, truth, grace, bring it into the light so that we can talk about it openly and honestly, so that we can do what God has called us to do, and that is proclaim good news to the world and to do what Isaiah 61, 4 says, rebuild, restore, and renew. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you for today.
Um, I, I pray for Crossroads Church. I pray for each one of us individually that you would um, begin to do a great and mighty work in us. I pray that, that you would give us boldness to proclaim your good news to the world around us. I pray that you would stretch out your hand and do signs and wonders. I pray that you would teach us how to love really well, how to stand on your truth and to love really, really well. And I pray that Crossroads will be known as a safe place where people who, no matter what they struggle with, they can come here, they can hear about your love and your grace, and they can belong, and that they'll have people walking alongside them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We were going to do discussion groups, but I went really long today. I knew I had a lot of stuff, but it was important for us to get down on the first day. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to receive the benediction. If you, in the course of your time today, God is stirring something in you and you need prayer for, we're going to have a couple of people right up here who would be more than willing to pray with you. And when you go home, I mean, just talk about these things. What did God's Spirit speak to you about today and how do you apply that this week? Just, it's simple questions. And let's pray. All right? So extend your hand. Now I pray that the, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that he would enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that you may know the hope that he's called you to. That you may know the glorious inheritance that you have with all the saints. And that you may know his incredibly great power for us who believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And all God's people said, Go in peace.